Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Jeez, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> no, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really yeah. my face. Look the phone, the phone's off the hook. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with Jake Miocci. All right, today's a good one. Today's guest, he, uh, he grew up in our app. He's just done six months of relief work in Gaza. Gaza, you hear that? You heard that correctly. And I would call this man uh, one of the most giving people that, that I would know. He, he's always trying to better himself in every every way, shape, and form. Welcome, Jake Miocic, to Barrett Talks. Thanks, Joshy boy. Thanks for coming on, mate. Jeez. It's been a while. Well, not a while. I saw you the other day, but I um I was really excited to do this podcast because obviously you've you've had a pretty big six months. Yeah, um, it's been crazy. Before that, though, you bring in some what is it? So it's Kush Kravach. So backstory here, come on. Okay. Yeah, so he came to the gym this morning, seven o'clock, yeah. and Josh goes, "Ah, oh, you want a vodka shot for Christmas?" Christmas, Christmas shot. And I'm like, "Yeah, righto." <laughs> so he stitched me up halfway through a set. And he said, uh, "What was it? You said it was my energy. Energy. That's yeah, it. yeah. It so this is what energy. the story is. Yeah, yeah. Right. So when I was told you the story already, but yep. I'll go backtrack. Yep. So." in Slovenia a long time ago now uh, went on a little bit of a trek with an old Slovenian sailor and he was showing me how he used to hunt deers and bears I wasn't hunting I was just like going for a bit of a bushwalk with him but wake up early in the morning first thing you need to do have a shot that's your energy (laughs) (laughs) so anyway told my grandma about this when I got back background she's Slovenian and she's like yeah energy so, um, it's obviously a tradition. So, anyway, this is her favourite drink, my grandma's favourite drink. What is it? Uh, it's Kushkovac. Never had pronounced it. it um, I pronounce it very poorly, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, but it's like a sweet pear liqueur. Gotcha. So, it's yours. So we oh, have, bless um, you. Yeah, 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 give me the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll finish that. Oh, you will finish that? Oh, jeez. Tell you a little Here baby. I'm excited for this. It's very sweet, and we just sip it. It's not a shot of vodka like you did it's a this sip. morning. Yes. Okay, right. How much am I pouring in here? Yeah, as much as you want. There? Yeah, and then I brought in Japanese glasses mm. um, and so we're talking about that before as well where you usually put it into a box yep and then you fill it right up to the top and then you fill it over the top and so it's because the Japanese people are so welcoming and over generous and so that's how much they care about you so if you really want to you could fill it up and you have the bucket there or the box there to fill and it, it falls in but well, that makes sense because they yeah. are like that aren't they cheers man magnificent here we go ooh ooh I like that yeah it's dangerous that's a that's probably a Christmas tradition. Mum would sit on that and just have a have a little bit over Christmas. On ice? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Wow, well, I like that. I really like that. Um, right, before we start, Jackie, I just want to. I think today I really wanted to talk about your last six months. Yep. But I want the people to know a little bit about you. So could you give them just a little bit of a brief, I suppose, history? Yeah. Like that. Brief. Yeah, yeah, brief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how confident I feel about speaking about Gaza and the context okay, of Gaza yeah, and yeah. also the history of yeah. Palestine. There's a lot, a lot to it. Yep. And I don't want to misstep and mistalk. Yeah, of course. But I'll talk about my experience yeah, and what experience. I actually yep. saw and did there. Yep. Because there's also a lot of things undercover, mm-hmm. a lot of things in the shadows that mm-hmm. I'm completely oblivious to, and then also at a political level that. Is that really what's happening? Yeah. Or not? And so, yeah, speaking from the ground roots, the people that are there, what they're experiencing at the moment, and then what I did when I was there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much detail I can go that's into. Okay. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's start from you. For a start, from from you as a person. Yeah. So I grew up in Ararat. Yep. So I grew up in Ararat. Was born in Melbourne. Yep. Um, Dad's a police officer, and he got um, moved to Ararat to Mum's family. So 
mum's family, as you know. Um, there's probably a little bit of um, family ties between there us. There is. There's a little bit. Um, so, yeah, moved to Crowlands, pretty close to Navarre. Yeah, Crowlands, yeah. Uh, little little farm there. That was probably yes, best childhood to have. I loved it. Really, really small farm, animals, that kind of stuff. Yep. And just be part of the small community there. Uh, then we moved into town and, yeah, grew up in Ararat. Um, pretty simple kind of life. Um, just, yeah, being around my friends and, yeah, learning as much as I could and, yeah, heavily into sport. Like, super, yep. super heavily into sport. I think if you're not in a small town like that, then you're a bit of an outcast. Yep. Um, but I embraced it. I was the smallest kid, always, but always, yeah, had a good time with all my mates, yep. which is good. Um, then straight out of school, I went straight into the army. Uh, did that, I think, well, when I was about maybe 14, 15, wrote down in a book what I wanted to do. When I was, mum was asking me all through like four-year-old, five-year-old, each year she was writing down like questions that Jake would answer. Yeah. And I always wanted to be a millionaire. That was the answer. Really? Yep. Every time? Yep. What do you mean? Yep. I don't know if I want to be, a mu- like that's the reason not to have the money no. or what am I going to do? Yep. So anyway, um, but we're 15, 14, something like that. I wrote down what I wanted to do. It's like to be wealthy but then also how can I support other people mm-hmm. and help people in need? And so how do I make that connection? And that's been my driver for yep. the rest of my life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so 18, left home, straight into the army. I was in logistics. I was already accepted into university. I did a gap year program. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was just about getting out of home, getting some money, um, getting out of Ararat, um, and went up to Townsville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the driver to go into the army was to be a person in need when someone else, no, be a person um, there when someone else is in need and defend others and support um, people when they're at the most vulnerable state. That was, that was like the purest form, what I, why I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, it probably didn't eventuate in that aspect um, for me. And then you look a bit more into military conflicts and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to be too decisive, but there's sometimes when we probably shouldn't be going into places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the culture was also sometimes a challenge as well. And what, yeah. what do you mean by culture? Um, oh, sorry, make your yeah. microphone up. Um, culture is a, it's a very big boys club. And like, I'm definitely always been like one of the boys, but then what does that look like later on in your life and then interaction? Um, and this was, what's that now, like 11, 12 years ago. And there's been a lot of reports that have come out saying that that is the case. Um, and then going into war and that kind of thing and who are you actually fighting against? Yep. Sometimes I, um, it was yeah, a bit of a, a conflict in my mind and my morals as well. So I was only there for a short period of time, um, just through my gap year and then got accepted into university in Ballarat. And so that's probably where my Ballarat journey kind of starts is that where, where like, do i meet you at iron oak first or where i can't remember um i think I, we knew each other but i can't uh, i think the first I time that i remember you was yeah. at, no not at iron oak snap. at snap yeah, there you go. first week in when you opened it yeah yeah you so, have that week one where yeah yeah wow okay Jeez. yeah yeah i don't remember that taylor's family was in they're like oh here's jake in the gym um they, i can't even remember that no. on the open day yep oh no mate well, when did they come in I don't remember. They came in early. Yeah, well, they would have, well, I guess so, but yep. I can't remember. Yeah, right. Young Josh face is all I can yep. see. Chubby there cheeks on him. Real chat, still chubby cheeks. <laughs> still haven't left me. Um, yep. But I remember, yeah, so I was working, that was after university that I met you then. Yep. So I went to university uh, in Ballarat for three years, did Bachelor of Commerce and did yeah, accounting as a major, law as a minor. And did that because I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
and it's the most general subjects that I could pick that could go into any business. And realistically, when you look at it, probably should be something that's embedded in every kind of um, education anyway. Yep. Uh, you've learnt that yourself yeah. Yeah. with life experience. I wish I, just I had did. a band in school. Ah, oh, I don't know, mate. Sometimes... But you don't yeah. reckon? Yeah. I think sometimes we need to be a bit more practical in education. Uh, and when you're reading textbooks and tax law, you need to know that kind of stuff. But you, while, while I was at university, I was also working at an accounting firm. And so I was learning more there than mm. what I was... At the uni? Yeah. yeah. And then at that same time, I was coaching football. So I coached Ararat under-17s. I reckon you probably would have been playing in the VAR under 17s when I was coaching we would never have played against each other you would have been rats though absolutely yeah we were eagles yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were fighting the eagles yeah, yeah. But, uh, we would have been that's where we would have kind of potentially crossed paths oh, potentially in. yep um, so and then talking about my management side of things so I was learning management skills at university and I was applying them straight back to coaching oh, yeah. and it was like perfect like practice learn practice learn I come back after a uni night on Wednesday night Thursday, a little bit hungover, and then be straight into teaching what I learnt that week with yep. the boys. Oh, I loved it. It was really, really good. So I was super young. I mean, 20, 21 when I was coaching under 17. So the age gap wasn't very far away. Yep. Yeah. So uh, university here, and then I picked up a job with uh, City Ballarat as an accountant. Yep. And you like that? Yeah, I do. Like, I actually we have a bit more of it. <laughs> yeah, a bit too. I'll type you up. Yeah. Just. Uh, so the main driver for that was once again wanting to like help people out be a part of the community mm -hmm. and yeah once again it was like you could see where the city was going that was 10 years ago now and what was going to be happening that the lake was at a horrible stage at that point is that when it was dry dry it was oh, like they were starting to drought proof it right that's when it was okay and yeah you could see the potential in Ballarat and what was happening like there was really like it was a cold kind of environment there was no real like eateries or yeah events yep. and we've started to build that and it's really exciting that i've seen anyway mm. and i talk fondly of it when i'm away from ballarat like ballarat's been my base but like no stretch have i been an active member of the community for the last 10 years i've been around and popped in and out yeah and sometimes i see that as a really good strength of ballarat where you can do that yep. and people from melbourne as well like you have your family and your friends sometimes in melbourne and use ballarat as your base and you mm -hmm. bounce in and out so Anyway, where was I at? Uh, you were just... City of Ballarat. City, yeah, City of yep. Ballarat. Yep. So I was there for a couple of years and enjoyed it. It was really, really good. Learned my skills as, a, as an accountant in finance and then also understanding how the community run. Mm -hmm. um, played, started playing for East as well. East Point, yep. Yeah, that was um, maybe two years there or something like that. And so got a bit more involved in the community in that aspect. Uh, would have met you at Snap. Yep. Yeah. And then I said, no, I've had enough. I'm leaving. And so I went over to Europe Yeah, um, with myself, uh, with, my, with my partner as well. Yep. And so it was about a year of you know, traveling around and just working in different people's houses. It was called Workaway yep. at that time. And so you work for free, you just get food, accommodation. So I worked in some pubs and looking after children and doing some skilled labor and working after far, like working in farms. And yeah, it was just a, a means of getting around and then also interacting with the community at that time. Yep. So I've traveled quite a bit through that time. Heaps, yeah. Yeah, um, but that's where I started. Like, I need to, if I'm traveling, it's not at a hotel. It's like being with people yep. and being with that community as well. I think you, from what I 
when, from from the outside looking in, I think you immerse yourself in the culture, which is what I really love. Like you always try and yeah, you're always trying like yep. drive yourself to do something in that culture or like every single thing goes to that culture. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah, I like no disrespect to Australians, but I see an Australian and I'm like, Oh no, I'm not going there. I, I want I to be go, I, yeah. I want to yep. go to someone else and not like happy to have a chat with them, but yep. then I don't want to follow the, the tour group. I Same suppose. path. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So then I came back and I started working for CFA. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ararat and was the district business manager at that time. So I was living here, traveling up and back every day. That was wrecking you, wasn't it? It was killing memory. me. memory, yeah. Yeah. Super, yeah. I, I can't handle commutes. Yeah. And that was one of the best things about Gaza. Best things was I had like a 150 meter walk. Like, so much time on my hands. Uh, yep. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so was there um, and set some really um, positive goals on changing the team that was there, building their skills up, changing the office location as well. Um, and we had a yeah, really positive culture. So I was, yeah, I was happy to be there, um, but the commute killed me. Um, at that time, I did a number of comments, Ballarat, went to Melbourne as well. And then I got transferred to FRV, which was, which is, was MFB merged with CFA. Yep. And so for the last year and a half, I would say, I've been with FRV um, doing the similar role in the western suburbs, so pretty much Sunbury to the Westgate, yep. those um, fire stations there. And so looking after the business side of things, and then yeah, got to be itchy feet. This is on a career path, and just said I think I need to develop myself further in the emergency management sense. Uh, applied for a job um, with an NGO and then they tell you where you go. And I was expecting an Africa, Asia kind of space. Um, it was yeah, based on like medical response is yep. really the core of it. And then, yeah, they said, you're going to Gaza. And at that time was the last escalation. So we're talking bombing, es- like continual I remember, bombing. I remember when you were going and I was just like, I think I, it was either on the news or maybe we had a chat about it. And you said like it was like literally bombed where you were, near you where you were saying. Yep. And yeah, I yep. was just like, you sure you want to go? Or and just like, yep. Not like nothing changed. Like it was just like, I was like, holy fucking shit, Jay. Yeah, I think probably what I said to you, there's other people that definitely asked me the same question. Yeah. And similar to in a fire brigade sense or in an emergency management sense, you're not there to hang around um, and for the quiet times. You walk, you're running into the fire, you're, you're supporting the people that are at floods and yeah, you're helping. Helping the people that need at need. That's when they were at most at need. I'm like, radio, we're in. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, that does no, make more sense. Yep. So that was yeah. That's when you're saying, yeah, well, they need me there. Yep. I'm not going to waste the next six months of like subsidised income and like really poor living conditions. Well, I thought they were going to be really poor for no real purpose. Yep. So yeah, I was happy to go. Um, scary. No doubt it was scary. Yeah. I was just ugh, can't even comprehend it. So yeah, that's a career kind of path, I suppose, that it's led me to this. I've yep. done some volunteer work in the meantime. Uh, so where are we at? Aussie Action Abroad uh, is a Ballarat-based organisation that goes over to Nepal and focuses heavily on construction and healthcare and roads and just funding people and education and helping children um, in communities so i went over there for six weeks and so you were walking to work like 12ks or something that was that was one of the times when i was walking to work and i think yeah i listened to one of the podcasts where he said hey jakey's been losing weight or something like that get out of it Did I say that on one of them? Did I? Yeah. Who did I say that to? I have no idea. Dill or soccer son. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, 
Yeah, that was one of them. Yep. Uh, so what, I was up top of a little hill living in a village. It was me and a woman from Tasmania. She had an architecture kind of background and I was trying to work on project management and coordination at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'd walk down to a village. It would take us an hour and a half to get down there. And then the hard thing was walking back up. Yeah. And I was sick most of the time. That's where I did lose most of my weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were eating things that are from the field, and like the water probably wasn't the greatest. And then I was at a little bit of altitude, and so that rocked me. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really taking in much food. Um, yeah, so that's what I was doing there. But it was about building a school when there was no power, moving rocks to help with the road that goes between the school and the orphanage. And then when it was raining and there was no power, then you'd be hanging out with the street kids in the orphanage um, and just, yeah, like playing football and soccer, chasing chickens Mucking and that around. kind of thing. Yeah, chasing chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so I was there for a little while as well. And when I went through university, I went to Costa Rica and that's when I seriously did some proper walking. So went into the jungle and was supporting, um, who was it, um, two biologists uh, were they moved into a mangrove kind of forest and they had another student with them and they were doing two studies, really long-term studies. One was the empty tree theory, no, empty forest theory, which was around if you take away all the big animals, then all the little animals go as well and it mixes up everything. Hmm. And so baseline, all I was doing was walking every day in gumboots through the mud up and down these hills to count how many animals were around, bringing it back to the biologist and then putting it back in their data set and seeing if there's any correlations. What do you mean? Because you were just looking at those one rabbit. So, yeah, monkey, uh, scarlet macaw, um, sloth kind of scenario. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was with an ex-hunter, so he was part of the problem at the start and then they hired him and his eyes were amazing. And you would be like this left to right, left to right, up and down, and you spot something, write it down. And you'd be with him. And it was what, similar to that Slovenian story where the guy was his eyes and just awareness of the environment. So that was one, one day. Yep. And then the next day, you'd go around to these trees. And so they were trying to map these massive, massive trees and how they pollinate each other and how many females to males they needed to stop deforestation and keep these big trees alive. So then the next day, I'd hike and count animals one day. It was just beautiful and amazing. Mm. And then you'd go into another path and you'd have all these trees that were mapped. You'd go in, have a look at the trees and have these meter by meter nets and you're capturing their flowers and then also their seeds. You'd take up, take the net open, you'd count all of them, put it into your little data set and then you go to the next tree, next tree, and then you'd oh bring it back. God. And so talking about losing weight, there was a guy there who'd been maybe 110 kilos and he lost... Uh, unbelievable amounts i think he said something like 14 kilos in that time all he was doing was walking and eating beans and rice 14 14 i would have thought it'd be more yeah he might have been more but yeah he was um he's a big boy and by the end of it he lost a lot of weight and yep. just like you're sweating all the time mm. so yeah that was a couple of ngos that i worked for in the past and then yeah through my life i'd been with the cfa as a volunteer um until maybe two or three years ago now yeah and was more heavily in the Ballarat Brigade while I was here. Yeah. Why do you, Why do you want to stop? Like it just wasn't scratching the itch with the brigade stuff. Or the um, I always feel like there was a fair conflict of interest between my job yep. and then also where I was working. Oh, and the where and volunteering. Yeah. And yeah, to say this openly in this environment is going to be pretty hard. Um, not many people know about it, but there was a so it's a rescue brigade. 
and went to a suicide, a car suicide, um, and it rocked me. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can do this. Did you for six? Yeah, it yeah. did. I don't I think I've told you about it I like do, a little while ago. I thought it was something to do with a kid, though. Is that potential? No, it was a. Yeah, there was one incident that that was fine. Yeah. Okay. It was another. It was, yeah, the suicide. And I was like, no, no, this is not what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and so that was hard to accept. Mm. Uh, but then also being aware <laughs> that. Self aware enough yeah. to be like, this is not right. This yeah. Is, I can't do this. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so what's. So then, okay, let's just go to the, we'll pivot to the, the Gaza yeah. point. Give me the experience from leaving here. So you leave here. Middle of COVID. Middle of COVID, where I'm like, oh, they won't let you in. You're like, bullshit, they won't let me in. And then they, so you fly to where? You fly to? First of all, Melbourne. Melbourne, yep. Nobody there. Nothing. Amazing. Walking in. Send a couple Snapchats of me, the only person in the airport just about, yeah. uh, which is really good. Shoot straight through. Then get into the aeroplane. There may have been 30 people on the plane. And from like toilet to toilet, you mean you have those big sections? Yeah, big sections, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was the only person in that one section. Oh my God. Yeah. Still waiting on you. What do you want yeah, next, yeah. Jakey? Were, were they just like really attentive? No, covered in masks. They had like full hazmat kind of gear on. Oh. Um, very, like making sure that there's no COVID. Um, oh. Mask on. I think I double masked at that time. Um, turned the fan off. Like I was really cautious. Wow. Which was probably not the best thing to do when you walk into Gaza. Yeah. And you're like, all right, yeah, it's just free for all. Free for all. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, flew into Dubai. Yeah. Dubai, the quietest I have ever seen Dubai. And then from Dubai went into Tel Aviv, so the capital of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, then from there, Jerusalem. Jerusalem stayed there the night, got some um, mission notes, a bit of a brief on what's going to happen in the next day. Yep. And then had a driver take me to the border to Gaza. So, yeah, I've had to explain this for the last week on where Gaza is. Yep. So I think it's probably pretty important yep. that we do that now. Definitely. Uh, so if you go Greek islands, mm-hmm. people should know where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, then in Egypt. Yep. So then you're in that space. So you're on the coast of the Mediterranean. I'm um, in the Middle East. And then you have Israel and then the West Bank, which is Palestine. Yeah. And then you have Gaza down the bottom. So Palestinians are people from the West Bank yeah. and then also people from Gaza, but they're separated. Okay. And so Jerusalem is part of the West Bank or parts of Jerusalem are part of the West Bank. And like, you'll have to fact check me on this kind of stuff as well, yeah. because it's a bit dubious who owns it and who's responsible. And that's, gotcha. what, that's what they're fighting over. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I go to Jerusalem, get my... Mission notes mm-hmm. and what's going to happen, and then drive 70, 80 Ks down to Gaza. And they're saying, You're right, what are you going to, well, this is what's going to happen, this is what they're going to ask you. Don't say this, don't say that, and get through. Don't so, say this, don't say that. In saying what? Like, what are, oh, are you like to say? Um, I would be like, Do you, do you have um, like a Muslim background? Uh, gotcha. Or do um, was, yeah, is there any terrorist kind of connections? Like, yep. Obviously, there's not, yep. but don't. Yeah. Sway to yeah. that area. And um, be straight with your answers. Mm-hmm. Um, know your, like they'll know your father's last name, your mother's last name, date of birth, that, that kind of stuff to vet, vet you through. Yep. Um, anyway, so get there. And it's like going into a prison. If you go to the prison, or drive past the prison to the western suburbs on the right hand side, like, yeah, like Ravenhall. Ra- Ravenhall yeah, yeah, Ravenhall. Yeah. That's what it's like. But then jack up the um, fences the more. More? Yeah, yeah. What? I think you can get over that. Yeah. Um, and you're going into almost like a terminal as well. So 
um, like an airport. Yeah. Go through and you get your customs and then you just walk through and asking all the questions, clear all your bags and then you get picked up at the other side and you're in Gaza. Yeah, like you skipped over that because yeah. I shit myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're talking to Israelis. Right. Um, and uh, to be honest, they were super, super nice to me. And you're talking to soldiers. Yeah. And uh, with a bit of a military background, with um, like an emergency services background, people in uniform, are, uh, I feel I feel for them. They're doing a really hard job. Yeah. And then also you know, people uh, for the organization that I work for were a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but they're baby soldiers. And they're baby soldiers because a lot of them have come straight out and they have to go in for two years like once you're 18. To go straight into that. Straight into the army. Gotcha. Um, and so you have to, like they're, they're just people yeah. as well, and so you just do, they're just doing their job. So, good morning, da, da, da. how are you going? This is all the paperwork. Ask you some questions. Carry on. Yep. Mm, keep the pressure low. Yep. Like, you don't need to escalate anything. Uh, then you walk through, get your bags cleared, and then you go to the Palestinian Authority. And so they're on the other side of the gate of of the fences. Right. Um, and they're. Once again, all in military attire, and they're asking you questions. What are you doing here? Like this is when it starts getting like serious, like because they're one, you're a foreigner; two, you've just come from Israel. Are you a spy? Yep. Is the main concern for them. Um, who are you? What are you doing here? Um, are you collecting intel? Um, are you going to um, do something against us? And so they're trying to really clear you. So where you're from? What you've done? Like I'm one of the whitest people that, that you could find. Like, and you look at me like probably not a risk. Yep. Um, and so move you through, check all your bags. And not, we're talking about guns everywhere as well. And then you get to... Like the machine guns or what are they all? Oh, just... Uh, uh, guns yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like proper, proper military yep. guns. Right, <laughs> yep. Um, and then you get to the next point. So that's Palestinian Authority. And so a bit of political context for you. You have Palestine that currently is looked after by the PA, Palestinian Authority. So think of it maybe as the federal government is looking after the whole of Australia, so liberals at the moment. Mm -hmm. Then you're going into Gaza, which is part of Palestine, but then you've got the Labor looking after Victoria. Yep. And so then you have to get through Labor as well. At that gotcha. time, at this time in Gaza, it's Hamas is the people that are looking after or that are the authority of that. So then you have to get through another checkpoint and get through them. Mm -hmm. And then they ask the exact same questions again, another a different type of military uniform, and you get through them. Three checkpoints. Mm -hmm. All right, and you're talking about in a matter of 500 meters. Wow. Yeah. Asking all the same questions. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Get on a get on a little van. Meet my best friend at the time because I was the only person that I was meant to know. Help me through the whole process. Yep. Um, driver, and then you drive in to Gaza. Jeez. First thing you see, rubbish everywhere. Yep. And then dogs and kids going you know, all over the place. And it's not particularly populated at this point, um, going through the checkpoints, so everyone keeps their distance from the military checkpoints. And then the thing that got me straight away was the donkeys. The don everywhere? Not every like they're pulling carts. Uh, that's oh, their main port yeah, of form yeah, of transportation yeah. for all of their food and all of the. Like, what is this place? I've gone back. Like it really felt a lot of the time that I've gone back forty years. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know when we're donkeys. I don't. But <laughs> 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 not here and horses as well. A cool little fact: um, donkeys are for agriculture and lighter goods, yep. and then horses are for construction goods. Uh, wow. So you see horses Stronger. driving. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. right. Um, so get in. 
and then it's just yeah, depleted. Now I could probably, if you could look at West Berlin, East um, East Berlin, yeah, like on the uh, wall. Yeah, yeah right, that's yep. the kind of scenario that we're talking about. Like just straight away difference. Yeah, yeah, and that'd be like coming from a, like it's the size of Geelong, you would say, like the land size of Geelong. You've got two million people there, mm-hmm. and one point six uh, classed as refugees. Yeah. All right, so then you get to your accommodation. And I was really, really happy with the accommodation. And then later on down the track, like two months in, you get further out of Gaza and you be a bit more comfortable with the space. Mm. And you very quickly identify that you are in the richest part of Gaza. And so I'm like, I live in the tour, I was living like almost like the Turak of Gaza. And you have all of your. Um, government buildings there and then all of your NGOs there and it's yeah another level you get out a little bit further and that's when you see the real like, despair of Gaza but it's still would have been scary like the whole place still would have been scary yeah I don't think I was ever scared uh, I was probably fearful a couple of times in the first month when there was still bombing yeah uh, you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear a bomb and it's just like shaking the ground in the distance. Yeah. And so we're talking like three, four Ks away. Um, you know, oh, but you don't have any control of that. Mm. So I don't think I was ever fearful, but then also potentially very naive and also highly supported by the organization that I was with as well. Um, so at that, like, I felt really comfortable and the Palestinian or the Gazan people were unbelievably welcoming and super thankful for you to be there. You know that you've got pure intents mm-hmm. and why you're here. And I really lent into their culture as well. Like, want to do this? Yes. Want to do this? Yes. I'm happy to go here? Yes. Am I allowed to? Yes. Yep. Then so I just threw myself at whatever they were doing, um, which I was really happy with. So we're getting like, what was it? Sh- is it sh- shelling? Shillings? What are we getting? Yeah, what type getting of shelled. Yep, so missiles. No, sorry. Yeah. Um, what type of like currency we get? Ah, shekels. Shekels, that's love it. it. <laughs> yeah, so they're giving you shekels and you go and do... So what were you doing? You were doing... 20 would go to your chef a day. Yep, so 20 for the chef, Muhammad, a day. Yep. Champion. Any cook, yeah, there. Their feast. Yep. Uh, there was no way I was losing weight while I was there. Yep. Um, I'll tell you a story. So dad was telling me, when you go through the Israeli checkpoints and they ask you what you're doing in Gaza... He said, just tell me you're going for the food. But it's 100% correct. Their food is amazing. That good. Yeah, really, really good. And I told this story to the guys, like, yeah, we're known for our food. I didn't know that at the time. And they were talking about Lebanese, Egyptian-infused kind of mix. Yep. Amazing shawamas, falafels, like the rice, like five different flavors of rice. Yep. Their lamb is, like the way they cook it is really, really beautiful. And once again living in the Turak part of Gaza so looking through rose like um, glasses like they're looking like what else was there the food was amazing yeah yeah the salads tabbouleh um, fish desserts desserts yeah. yeah so sweet so so sweet I had a, a nice um, old lady she was the cleaner of the office and she was like my grandma when I was there she'd come in with a Turkish coffee and then some kind of sweet and it was heaven amazing <laughs> like, this is in the first couple of weeks and I am going to put on so much weight while I'm here. You didn't though. You came back. I was like, you're still jacked, man. Yeah. I really pushed myself into the fitness side of things now, outside of work. And I want to, what are you going to do? You can't party. You can't drink. Um, you can't really go see sites. So started doing like different fitness every day, interacting with different NGOs. So I had basketball, 
Fridays, Friday mornings with the street kids, mm-hmm. and it was the best. Uh, How'd you tee that up though? Um, someone told me that they played basketball at the YMCA like two blocks up. I just walked in with a guy that was there for had been there a little while, and he said, "Yeah, they play basketball here," and just say, "Hi, how are you? Mm, can I have a shot of basketball?" And they're like, "Yeah, three on three, let's go," and it was intense at yeah. times as well. <laughs> Um, so yeah basketball on Fridays um, played volleyball um, with NGOs really interacting with them Um, my first uh, couple of weeks while I was there the HR manager was about to leave and she said to me Jake first thing you do get around and know all of the other NGOs they are your peers they are your network you can't really particularly through COVID but then also through military kind of links you can't interact so heavily with the locals at a personal level at times why? Um, so why? you're gathering like intel or something yep. like that. Yeah, yeah, and then also you're putting them at risk as well. You're putting them there. Yeah, maybe yeah. The Hamas comes and knocks on their door. What are yep. you doing with the foreigner in your house? Gotcha. Uh, that kind of scenario as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just keep a little bit of a distance. But then in a work environment, in a restaurant, always was happy to hang out with them, and they had such good stories and mm. such positive energy, which is unbelievable. The lives that they've lived, going through like six or seven wars through their life unable to leave at all and in pretty dire conditions and they're still welcoming and loving and it's impossible to pay for anything there when you're with a local impossible they 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 will feel like you're going against them they'll pay for everything absolutely yeah Yeah. coffee cake um what's a meal cost what's what's a Uh, here we go so my currency was how much does how much does it cost in comparison to a falafel? So one falafel sandwich, which were amazing. Yeah. So you have three little falafels in a sandwich, in yep. pita bread, with salad and, and some sauce, one shekel. One shekel, I think it's about 40 uh, cents. Right, 40 right. cents, yep. yep. Yeah, and so then you go from there. So then one, one shawarma is worth seven to 12, seven to 12 shekels. Yep. So then you're looking at about three bucks, Yep. something like that, five bucks maybe. Um, Coffee, one shekel or less. Um, what else do you want to know? What can you buy? Um, a massage. I was getting get 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 a massage. I think I've told you the story. Yeah, the big hands oh or something. Oh my like. god! That never again. We broke me, this man. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would have cost me fifty shekels. So wow. twenty, fifteen bucks, something like that, an hour. And I've never been so oily in my life. Uh, so, oh, so 20 bucks yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and once again Turak part of mm. Gaza so these are really about. expensive massages for them yeah like will a local get them I don't know yeah I don't know oh. um, a gym membership you were asking about before yeah yeah. yeah yeah so I was going to a gym on a Thursday um, which is the best gym in Gaza and comparable to like an, like um, you probably go maybe like similar to what your like snap fitness used to be like yep and then you go a rooftop and they'll go up on the roof and then you have um, like cardio classes. Gotcha. That, yep. yep. That's the standard that yep. we're talking about. It was nice um, and it was great to just be working out just with locals. Mm. Um, and so I just do a Thursday class, your favourite class. Oh, fucking ab class. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it um, <laughs> welcomed by one of the doctors there. He goes, oh, come and do exercise with me. Like, yeah, perfect. Yes, once yeah. again. Yeah. And so on a Thursday night, which is a Friday night um, for there because Fridays and Saturdays are their day off. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. We said that. Yep. Holy days on Friday. Straight to the mosque on Fridays. Everyone's got to do that. 
Uh, oh, the community does. Yeah, and yeah, devout, not very much into their, um, their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, on a fr- on a Thursday night when everyone's up and about and ready to go, abs class. Uh, <laughs> but that was ten shekels for yep. an hour class. Yep. And then uh, I think for a whole month it was hundred and ten shekels. So you can do the maths on that for a whole month of classes and also open gym. It's still cheap. It's like forty bucks a month, is it? Ish? Yeah. 30, 40? 30, 40, yeah. And yeah. Torak, so, well, yeah, please Turak, emphasize yeah. the Torak. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else is it all? Um, this is all outside of work. Um, yeah. So give me, give me a rundown on what you're actually doing work-wise. Yeah. Because when I imagined you were going, I think I told, I think I said this to you, was if anyone remembers out there, that, is it Todd Sampson? Mm. Was that him? And it was called Body Hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This series. And he went to Gaza, but I think it was like the- we're in the West Bank. West Bank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just remember seeing, like, some of the scenes in that were horrific when I was watching it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to do this shit? Like, fucking mm. hell. But you said it wasn't like that. Like, it's not in the part you were. No, so when I was there, it was calm-ish. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so what I was doing to start with, I was, yeah, finance and HR up start, and then finance was what I went there for. Um, this was my background, and, I was, and anyone that was happy to go there that could do the job. Mm-hmm. And it was an introduction mission as well. So I had some good people around me that knew what they were already doing. And so they were supporting me and learning how to be in the organization. And then I was really governance, support, and then decision-making on a finance aspect. Uh, So integrated a new um, finance system, payment system, um, looking over procurement is what I was after, um, a cost-based analysis and assessing what the clinics are like, what the ward, how the ward was running, um, governance over HR contracts, um, particularly consultant ones, mm-hmm. and then yeah, managing audits. Uh, not super exciting stuff, but things that need to be done. Yep. Um, and yeah, looking after the finance business side of, and so what we had was um, two surgical wards, uh, one based on burns, one based on osteomyelitis, which is infection in bone. Yep. And so that was driven from 2018, 2019, Great March of Return. Stop, Google that, Great March of Return. Great March of Return. Okay, so that's when the people of Palestine marched to try and get their freedom back and going against the wall. And so they were protesting. Yep. And then that, uh, when the Israelis thought that they were a threat or they wanted to push them back, they'd shoot them at the knees. Just shoot their knees? Well, they were shooting everything, but um, reports have said that that's what they were trying to do. Um, but then that obviously wasn't the outcome on a number of circumstances. Mm. I'm not going to throw figures. Mm. Please Google it. Wow. Yeah. March of return. Great march of return. Okay. So then what we were doing in that aspect was all the people that had their legs shot and then putting them back into rehab, um, surgical support, and then it's a long-term injuries of infection in your bone. This many years, how many years yep, old? Yep, exactly. How many years? Well, do the math, what is it? Um, four, five, six, what is it? What is it, 2000? Wow. Yeah, long, long time. Okay. Yep, anyway, so that was one side of it, and the other side was filling the gap of burns treatments in the healthcare system in the whole of Gaza. So you get burnt under a certain percentage, we're doing your care, your treatment, your physio, um, your pain management, everything. From back then or this is recent? Right now. Right now. Yeah, and it's a long-term project as well yep. and is has been around for a long time and it's filling the gap of a very poor medical system. How are they getting burnt? 
Yeah, from what? Burn. Yes, yeah. Well, just legit. Yep. Burn. Society. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, and so they're supporting twenty million people in burn treatment, right. surgery, um, c- capacity building. Yep. And then also, yeah, just all the, the making sure their pain management is other kind of getting me into rehab and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I was looking after looking over that business. And that's what I was doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was your general day, and you work from what? What was the time frame? What was uh, the time? Eight o'clock. Get yep. there, I get there a little bit early, uh, and then probably like the hours were four thirty. You'd finish at uh, maybe five thirty-six, yep. uh, and then when there was stuff that was on, you'd be working through a little bit harder. Um, but it wasn't a hundred like percent push into the workload. It was like you know how you do your job, just get it done. Yeah, and then I'd take work home with me and work over the weekends if needed and that kind of stuff. But it was it's definitely. Yeah, there is a base there already that that it's consistent business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, the learning aspect of it was the hardest in any organisation. You've built your own, but when you go into a new organisation, you're learning everything, mm. and then you're learning a culture, and then you're learning a context as well you're outside your comfort zone. Uh, so I think it handbrakes you a little bit more. But I loved it. It was like when I was under the pump and when I was finding it more difficult. I thought, this is what I'm here for. Yep. And to support the people. And gotcha. at that time, it was COVID as well. So we were doing um, donations and support to COVID and training um, nurses on how to manage COVID. And then straight after the escalation, we had a big pool of money um, from donors to then push that out to where it's needed through Gaza. So it was a matter of uh, where are the gaps after the bombings? Mm-hmm. How can we support? How can we support and put donations into things? Who was the donors? And like, they're all anonymous donors. Wow! So yep. like in from Gaza. Yeah, outside outside of Gaza, all around the world. Right. Yep. Um, did so explain the? Oh, sorry, I remember you talking about this other day. The blue zone was it? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So zone? I lived in the oh, just lived in the city centre, um, a square, um, kilometre by kilometre, maybe a little bit more. And that's where I was safe to be. And that's where I was allowed to stay. And so you don't have much freedom outside that. That's where I could walk. And so it was a shopping area, the size of maybe Ballarat CBD. And you couldn't go anywhere else. unless You, you couldn't? Had, or you? No, I couldn't. Yeah, part of our internal policies is this is the safe spaces right. and where you can be, have to be monitored. Then you go outside of that, you needed a driver and you needed clearance um, to go and a reason to go outside as well. And so that's about one, we don't know what the Israelis are doing and where they're bombing and this is, a, is usually a Touracity safe zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other is that what's go- you don't want to be going near a military space like a Hamas military space and be... Uh, you're always being watched and I think I told you this yeah this is the one that freaked me out you're always, like. always being watched uh, so the two things that I will always stick with me is donkeys in Gaza mm-hmm. and then the drones uh, at the moment you will always hear a drone in Gaza across your head you can't see them but it's buzzing all the whole time whole how time. many of them? you can't see them you just hear you them you see this mm, yep. buzz yep all the time and day and night and noisier on a Thursday and a Friday when there's more movement of the population, I would imagine. Well, that's when I really felt it. Yep. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe there was just no wind on Thursdays, but I definitely yeah, felt it more on a Thursday. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you're getting monitored by the Israeli army. Yep. And then on the ground, you're getting monitored by the local authority there as well. But you don't know that. No, you don't know. You don't know. So it could be just a random sitting at a cafe. Yep. 
having a coffee. Exactly. And they're following you. Yep. Oh, or, or there's just a pivot point and then they move on to the next person. And then like, this is stuff that you don't know, but you're told that that's the case. And you know, there were stories of like when you take, you know, I wasn't allowed to take, I have no photos outside of like really a safe um, workplace or like living area mm-hmm. of Gaza. Yeah. Very, yeah. And so, you know, I take photos and there was people, backstories behind that had taken a couple of photos. And then there was a, a knock on the door of the organization saying, we saw this person this with a, a white shirt and brown shoes taking photos, give them back and delete them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Beca- because they had like the phone tapped or because they just saw them doing it? That's a really good question. No one knows. Yeah, yeah, I can't answer that. Wow. Yeah. I told you about it. Like, I need to get, I need to change my phone. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's also tapped. My God. Now, think about going into West Berlin kind of example. And now you're doing it in current times when there's so much more surveillance yeah. um, and capacity. Mm. Well, yeah. I remember the story. What was the story you were telling me about? You run? Oh, that no. <laughs> no, 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 best moments? no, 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 um, and it's not so much of a moment as a passing time. I was coming back from the gym on a Thursday night with my driver. I think I have told you this story, actually. Um, yeah. Coming back from the gym with the driver, Thursday night. Place is pumping. There's music going and people are really happy. Um, they're buying their food for Friday's um, feeds and being with the family over the weekend. But we had this daily worker driver. He's like a casual staff member. Had like this LED kind of jacket on. And that's driving me around. I've met him once. Had the music cranking in this Arabic music. Yeah. Windows are down and there's a donkey maybe three cars up in front of a tuk-tuk and it's not moving. And it's just, it blocks up everything. And then car beside me with um, all these Arabic guys that are really happy. And there was just such a, you've got a bakery to one side, the people are getting bread and then the, the people are having shisha on the other side. And that, that's the, that was the really positive side of Gaza and the people that are there. And they were just with their friends. Yep. And I just sat for a second and just absorbed that. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the 100% extreme. But that was a really happy moment or a happy time where I, these people can be around each other and support each other. And that, that's, that's what I learned. Like, was that the level of resilience is around the people that you are with yep. and the community that you have around you. And that's driven from a, an us versus them mentality. We are like, we are stuck here. We need to support each other. So it comes from there. And like, I can see Ballarat is keep building that fabric as well. But I don't like the us versus them mentality. It, kind of cre- it does create a level of hate. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that moment in time, they were just happy to be with each other. Uh, and then the, the mix of culture as well with a stupid donkey that's not moving and then the guy with his Arabic music pumping and probably had some positive endorsements from a, a exercise class as well. It was a nice moment. Yep. Um, and so I, I said to the guy, can I get it? Can you give, take me a place to get a haircut? And so that's another thing on a Thursday, Friday, all the guys are getting haircuts. And like, this hair, the place Every is, Thursday, Friday? Yeah, oh, like every second, but okay. looking sharp. Yep. Like you want to be looking sharp on a Thursday night. For your wife. Yeah. Um, so he goes, oh yeah, I'm the hairdresser. Like, 
test drive as a hairdresser. What do you mean you're the hairdresser? And he goes, yeah, come with me. So, all right, take me to where we're going. And something like the Arabic English um, doesn't mix. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see what happens. And that's okay. So all I wanted was just a beard trim. That is it. So I told him that. Yep, no worries. Takes off his driver top, puts on his um, barber shirt on. Gets me to take a seat in this really old, dingy kind of place. And first, clippers are out, side cut. Straight in. Like, mm. That's not what I wanted, but that's what's happening now. So, <laughs> so it's just straight along the side? Yeah. Well, no, it ended up being a good haircut, okay. but I didn't want one. I yeah. just wanted a beard trim. Um, so that happened. And then, oh, I can't pronounce it, but they have this string where they cut your cut your hair with um, wire. And so you, have, you put it between your mouth, yeah. and then you have the string in each hand, and it's like tethering or something like that. They pull out... All the yeah, um, bits of hair. You yeah, Google it right they, now. Don't they do it with? Um, you can do it with your eyebrows. Eyebrows, yeah. You do it with. They do it all around like your forehead. I don't have hair on my forehead. Okay, you still doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they still do it, and then all around your face, um, burn your ears um, with a lighter. And they burn your ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really common. Yeah, so lighter, and so you want to burn all the hair off your ears. I don't have hair on my ears Fuck either. Hell. So I got the full treatment. Yeah, right. Full treatment then. Um, but yeah, he was definitely the barber. So that night, I've written in my journal like a heap of positive things, but that's what comes to mind at the moment. I like that. There's a, yeah, the level of resilience was seen in that day. Yep. Yeah, and people around you. Cool. Do you have a, a worst moment or a scary moment, maybe? Um, oh, man. Um, probably the first night I was there, first day I was there, really hit you. Yeah. Um, Just anxious and you thought, fuck, I'm really in it? Mm. Probably, yeah, you're outside your comfort zone about you're looking at what other people have lived through. Yeah. And uh, so I went to Tel Aviv for a weekend and came back. And Tel Aviv is a beautiful place. So Tel Aviv is 50 k's um, away from Gaza. It's in Israel. And the level of wealth and culture there is beautiful. It's a mixture of Melbourne, Sydney, and then the Gold Coast. It's like really party and fitness. And then also you have really cool bars. So I went there for a weekend and then come back to Gaza. And it was just, oh my God, how is this possible? Yeah. Um, so I sat with my thoughts and then, then on my first day, I walked out of my accommodation, turned right and you've got a you know, mosque in front of you. It's amazing, you know, really cool culture. And then you look to your right and you have an orphanage that was bombed and it's no, no longer there. You look in the distance, 150 meters, and then you've got half a building that's been broken down and bombed and then you look down the road and the whole road's blocked because there's another building that's being knocked down because it's not structurally sound anymore um you go right walk down the street and there's a crater in the road um from where they bombed the road um and then look left and there's another bomb site there um where there was a facility and now it's no longer there um and it's dust everywhere dust everywhere and like, the roads aren't brilliant and then you've got rubbish everywhere and then you keep on walking and then you go around the corner and then half the buildings blown up as well um, and you don't really notice the windows are shattered until you're really having a look um, so that was I don't know it was a hard moment but uh, it wasn't a scary moment mm. it's just uh, I mean it no, this is yeah. what these people live in like I'm, uh, I'm I can get out of this these people cannot that's what sits with you like, yeah. these people cannot get out of this they're stuck yeah what stops them from like what stops them from bombing them why aren't they bombing all the time like what's the 
I can't answer that question. It's so mixed up in political spaces. I I don't know the answers. I don't know if many people do. Um, yep. The way that I could summarize it is it's East versus West, um, and that's the battleground. Gotcha. Uh, and then you've also got um, two religions fighting against each other and a whole heap of history. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be um, bipartisan, but uh, there's so many problems on both sides. And... Um, it's no individual that is the cause or the problem. Um, and I was thinking, how can I solve this? Uh, this is a, a 70, 100-year-old problem now. And, and it's not one person, but it's a whole society or two societies, five societies. Now, there's so many external factors, like America, the Muslim community, um, and then so many different political parties and reasons behind it and mm-hmm. wanting to, to continue that I don't have answers and I don't know many of the um, questions to why it's happening or what's going on uh, you can there are simple answers but then you want to go down to the root cause yeah and it's difficult now, have you seen the great hack no it's about Cambridge Analytica and how they used algorithms to manipulate elections oh uh, yeah well, yeah I've heard, yeah like yeah you know what I'm talking about yeah so I was like right that's what needs to happen here on both sides well, for the next 30 years. <laughs> um, just in bulk propaganda in the positive direction with right leaders yep. um, from all around the world. Ah, okay, how are you going to do that, Jake? That's going to be pretty impossible. But it's it's embedded and it's tough um, in probably a level of kindness and acceptance mm-hmm. um, and not being decisive. Uh, we could easily go in that direction in any kind of country with the right leaders and um, yeah, the wrong sentiment. Yep. Yeah, but it's just continues and continues and continues and yeah it's really hard to accept wild, absolutely wild yeah um well, how do you feel coming back then how do you feel coming back here uh well, i've been back two weeks now i think yep um oh, i was talking to you before the level of opportunity in the, the that ballarat has or that australia has and we have so many we don't have any restrictions over us like when i look at it you could easily say that we do in other aspects but in comparison to others, we do not have any restrictions. Go your hardest, take a risk and try things. And that's where my mind is at at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, I'm looking over your shoulder and we've got greenery. I walked through Ballarat today um, on the way up here. Oh, this is amazing, you've got a blue sky and the buildings are amazing. And I've probably come back very grateful. Yep. I've come back very calm. Um, I'm not on edge and you know what I'm like I usually have a high level of intensity and I'm trying to focus on goals and achieve things and mm. um, yeah, busy, the, busy, busy probably the most um, I don't want to say structured but you're very like I said when you, you immerse yourself into something you're doing it you're very like you're writing everything down or you're very um, you just want to learn and progress that's how I always talk yeah. to you like that's how I think of you yeah like it's always if like you want to like you started learning guitar over there too didn't you oh yeah 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 I tried you tried uh, yeah. I'm going to continue trying yeah <sighs> wow um, yeah so I've come back karma mm-hmm. I've come back motivated um, I feel like I need to like just share my story and get people to know what it's actually everything like not be oblivious to the fact I don't know if we can solve anything but awareness to start with and I've been very grateful um coming back and like, I've been to third world countries before and I've been into really bad situations and even throughout Australia like, there's some really bad situations but this is the first time when it's really sat with me I- I'm very calm yep. mm, so this is unbelievably 
beautiful. Yeah. And I was like on the farm last yesterday, um, one of my friend's farms, and I just kept on saying, this is beautiful. Uh, it's, it's so beautiful. Gave you some perspective on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Do you have a, a list of things that you've learned? Um, so, I, have, I did have a list and I've written a journal. So yep. Big journal. How many, is that full? Uh, no, no. This is a summary of the journal. Summary of the <laughs> journal. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. So, I did Leadership Ballarat um, a long time ago and was interacted with Dill Sock that's up on your wall here. Yep. And he would be like, oh, Jake journals everything. And it's not that I journal things, it's because I forget everything. And so I need to write it down so I can go back and remember it. Uh, so now this is just a summary of the journal. Uh, so first thing I remember, or first thing that I learned was about the Muslim culture. Uh, I have n- n- nothing. Like, what do you know about the Muslim culture? Tell me. Uh, food. Is the food? food really good? I don't know much about it. I don't know. I don't, no, I can't What about say. the religion? Muslim religion? Um, I know that they have to... Well, they have like a day of prayer, yeah? Yeah. Or prayer. Um, they go to, go to those rooms where they go. I can't remember. Prayer rooms? Is it your prayer rooms? Yeah. yeah. That's it? Ah, I got nothing else. That's nothing else. pretty much my level as well. I yeah. knew... Probably I knew Allah was their god. Allah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I knew they grew pretty awesome beards. Yep. Yeah. Love goats. Um, yeah, maybe. Isn't that quite the same? I know. I know. In um, Pakistan, they love goats, and there's the what's full Muslim. Um, Isn't culture. that the sacred like? Not that I know of, but maybe you're teaching me something oh, here. Maybe not. Um, cut that one. What else did I? What else did I know about the Muslim culture? Oh, um, who's the Richmond football player? Uh yeah, Bashir Huli. Amazing. Read the book. Okay. Yeah, I read that before I left. Gotcha. Um, to learn more about the Muslim culture, and he's so cool. No, I'm definitely not a Richmond supporter. Uh, <laughs> Just to put that out there. Uh, definitely not. But yeah, he was... Um, yeah, I'd read that book just to learn more about the Muslim culture in Australia. Gotcha. Yeah, he's Lebanese. Uh, so yeah, learn about the Muslim culture and because I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And so incredibly disciplined, unbelievably disciplined. Wake up in the morning, you pray five prayers a day. You have these strict rules that come from a really good place. Uh, around treating your wife in the correct manner or about showing respect for others. They have like taxation laws on how you should donate to people in poverty. Like, your, this is your wealth. This is how much you should donate each year. Um, there's haram things about not um, treating animals poorly and making sure you eat the right foods. Um, they fast. And, and yeah, what do, they, um, what do they call that? Ramadan. Ramadan, yep. Yeah, and the way they do that, uh, unbelievably disciplined. And I couldn't do it by myself. And I was talking to some of my colleagues that were um, that had gone through it. And I said, you can't do it by yourself. But when you have a whole community around you that believes in this one God and believes in this tradition, you support each other. It's like a fitness group. Mm. Uh, right, we're waking up at 5.30. Yeah, we're doing and a we're, session. And we're doing a session. Yeah, we're going to, yeah, and we're going to care about what we do for the day. We're going to have a level of intent and then we're going to reflect on it and then continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so the Muslim culture there's one thing that I learned and I would push a lot of other people just to do a little bit of reading on it um, if you don't know any um, Basher Hawley's book is probably a really good start um, what's it called? don't know don't know don't know Basher Hawley yeah yeah sort of that don't know cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, then the networks that you have and the community around you probably stinks from Basher Hawley's book really 
uh, the culture that, that you support each other and that's where your resilience comes from. Um, that's what I learned looking at the people they support each other it's like you and me are in this together um, and so are all your, your gym mates or all of your business colleagues and so we have this one vision and goal and we protect each other um, so I could really apply that to workplace to team sports and then to Ballarat as a community we have an identity and I feel like we, you're like Ballarat's really building that and it doesn't have to be us versus them, but we look after each other and we support each other. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's where the resilience comes from and continuing your networks. And then organisational culture and the importance of hiring the right people. Uh, this is more of a business decision and looking at how things kind of panned out. And the organisation I worked for um, had high rotation of expats. Mm-hmm. And so when you, don't ha- when you have a different mix of people, you have a different culture. And so... Yeah, but it changes all the time. Yeah, yeah. The culture changes all the time. Spot on. And so th- I learnt that, that you need to hire. Like, I already knew that. Uh, you hire for culture. You don't hire for skills. Most of the time, you can teach people the skills. Yeah. Uh, and it was just so much stronger in this aspect when you're under pressure and when you're outside your comfort zone, you need the right people. How do you do that in a situation like that, though? Because... Yeah. You, know, well, you need like a really you, good HR team. You can't really choose, can you? No, Realistically. that's a problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need a really good HR team. Um, yeah, you need really good managers. Um, yeah, it's hard. Mm. It's hard. You need to say no sometimes to the people that are there. It's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's three things that I said, like the big things that I really learned. There's a heap of little things. Like, yeah, different types of foods and yeah, different language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you speak any? I can, but I'm not doing any on this. <laughs> My pronunciation is horrible. And like something, no, so they didn't understand Australian accent. My accent is strong. I understand that. But then they were asking someone that wasn't an English speaker, first language, what I was saying. And so oh, you're talking about the, the French. Are you talking about the... Yeah, like Belgians, French, um, Germans. Yeah. So when I was talking to an, an Arabic speaking person in English they would then ask someone from France or from Germany what did he say oh my god so but that was more on they were used to a European accent rather gotcha. than a European English accent yeah yeah and also I um, potentially mumble a little bit yeah alright um, what's this thing you brought in here to ah uh, yes okay so I thought of you when so this is uh, a cartoon Oh, well, it's actually a bookmark or it can be hung up anywhere, but it's for you. And hang up in here. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so I thought of you because it has a similar kind of feel to your graffiti art in yeah. some aspects. Okay. And so it's a cartoon. Um, it's called Handala. Handala. Yep. And it was made by a cartoonist in the 60s or 70s. Um, it's a 10-year-old boy with his, he's facing the wall. Um, with his arms behind him and his hair strings here. So he has 10 strings of hair, he's 10 years old. And this is through the West Bank and then also through uh, Gaza, uh, put on just as yeah, graffiti. Um, but it shows a lot like resilience. Um, it shows that we're, we're, we're here to stay. And it's, a, it's almost a, also a protest. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's what that is. It's really, really cool. But so the story behind it is when Gaza and the West Bank is free from oppression, then he'll turn around and he'll continue with being a 10-year-old boy in the cartoon. So he'll turn, like he'll spray paint the turned around version of it. Yeah. 
that's cool yeah and there's a lot more like i sent you the wiki link to this there's a lot yeah. more to it but that's the emphasis the main aim of it anyway it's really cool thanks yeah. jake appreciate that this thought you this made you think of me well the art did oh the art did yeah <laughs> just the boy you had 10 strands that's really cool yeah and the colors How many did, you buy? did you buy a few of them? one you bought one yep. for me yeah bless your soul thank you appreciate that yeah cool Right. So I think it's yeah, hand stitched, made from um, yeah, just made from women women in Gaza. So that print there. Where are you meant to? What's going on here? Where are you meant to? No, it's like stitch. Might meant to pull that out. No, no, leave it like that. Leave it like that. Yep. Okay, and just pin it up. Yep. Pin it up there. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna do that. Appreciate that. That's crazy. Right. Um, all right, let's move on to some questions. Sent you these last night. Don't know how you went with it. I'd imagine got him, got him. you I've probably. Written, it. I was going to say you would have. I'd imagine you would have written this out. Yeah. Uh, what would be something people would be surprised to know about you? Yeah, this was the worst one. I answered this one last this morning. Right. Uh, and I said to you, I don't. I share everything, and I'm happy to. And so there's not a lot of things that people don't know about me, uh, uh, particularly like my inner circle of friends. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a story from Gaza that people don't know about me and not many people in Gaza know about me yep. um, or people that were like that I was friends with. So first week in, uh, this HR manager, she said, you need to network with all the other NGOs. And so we went to a, a friend's house and we had a, a dinner there. And on my best behavior, um, interacting, remem- remembering <laughs> people's right, names. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I'm the worst with names. The worst with names. Remember people's names. Having good conversation. All these different expats. Oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Stand up. Use the bathroom. I'm like, oh, what's this little button on the left hand side here next to the um, sink? And I'm just like, oh, I press it with my foot. It must be to close the lid. Pressed it and it's um, a toilet cleaner. Or you clean yourself with it. Sprays your face. Sprayed me all over my top. <laughs> <laughs> Look at so embarrassed, and it was a little bit on dusk, dark. So I'm just like covering myself up. Well, you, you know, we use men to do in these situations, right? Yeah. I've thought I've done this before. If you're wearing, <laughs> say you're wearing grey pants or something like that, and you've had a bit of a trickle, you can't tell me that people haven't done this before. You just wash your hands and you walk out and you're like. Oh, don't want to dry my hands and you just put them all over yourself yeah this is like I'm talking in the middle of my chest power yeah, jet wow. t-shirt yeah okay that might be a little bit of an issue just, just do that on my chest yeah <laughs> just wipe your chest straight up yeah <laughs> so I know uh, not many people know about me I was so embarrassed but there nothing really special that people don't know about me if you want to know something I'll probably tell you okay yeah I was going to say Jakey's pretty open book uh, what are your weaknesses uh, so I've got a couple for you some funny ones mm-hmm. maybe funny mm-hmm. um, deadlifts 150 meters sprint no 1500 meters runs that's your, that's your, your then, weakness so deadlifts in the gym your hamstrings up yeah that's the problem cooked, yeah yep. yep 1500s kill me yeah no i'm good for power and i'm bad and i'm and i'm good for over a long distance that middle no good no worries okay. yeah shout out to scotty carey from stall yeah, yeah. camera yeah quality uh, 1500 <laughs> meter runner that stitches yeah. me up every time um then Swimming and music is I'm horrible at. As in like, yeah, I'm no good at swimming either. As yeah. in music, as in like singing or what are we talking about? Oh, definitely singing, but then also guitar. And okay. so, and that's something that I'm going to really focus on and have been trying to focus on for some time. Yeah. And so they are like genuine weaknesses that I just am not picking up, but I'll continue on. But the one for the podcast that I was thinking about was relaxing. 
mm. in the past in my uh, before Gaza, uh, impossible to relax and to stop. It's Couldn't switch off. No, brain's humming. Yeah, and or well, if it's not, then I'm trying to do exercise and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so in the last since being out of Gaza, I have been able to find that space and time and been using a bit, <coughs> of, bit of meditation. Why, why do you think that is? Because you just got more perspective from being over there. Um, or you well, feel like you've got a lot more time because you're not on edge. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it probably uh, matured a bit and I've had some positive influences over the last couple of years that have said slow down yep. um, and reflect and make better decisions slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be... Yeah, I would, genuinely, that would be my weakness. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Bouncing from the relaxing, relaxing as a weakness. I think it's driven from my fear um, of regret and not having a go and not trying. Like a FOMO, like a bit of a... No, not in terms of a small level, like not firing a shot on trying to run a business or not firing a shot on going with that business, that idea. Yeah. Um, and wanting to try and think about it and do it. Um, I was listening to like motivational things while I was in Gaza and there's one um, yeah, small chat around your um, deathbed mm-hmm. and you've got your ghosts around you of all the things that you didn't try or all the things that you had an idea or an opportunity. And I have had opportunities in the past, in the last 10 years that I haven't taken up and they're the things that I fear and regret. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's just about pivoting. That oh, That's really raw. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm most scared of is not actually having a go. Yep. You have a go at pretty much everything though. Yeah, the meaningful things is probably what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like that too, Jackie. What's something someone said to you that in your life that's just never left you? Um, so, Dad said it. I don't know when he said it. He said it a couple of times to me. But don't forget. Or don't don't um, remember this. Um, don't remember this. No, no. Don't forget or remember this moment. Like that's the gotcha. like, like both of those things. Yep. Um, so that's always sat with me. I don't know when he actually said it. I think he said it in a, like a football kind of context. But then he also said it to me at a, at a birthday party as well. And like coming into Christmas now. Like a, like a special moment you were sitting there together and he goes, just don't forget this. No, it was more like you're going to have one in the next day. Yep. Remember this and absorb it. Gotcha. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that sat with me. Yep. Um, I did um, Ballarat City Council... Like, Building, building inspector year 10 work experience okay. and I don't know who the guy was I don't know if he's still in Ballarat um, it, we were up in Blackville doing like looking at the footings of a building and the advice that he gave me was to continue learning mm-hmm. and that sat with me like, I don't remember anything about building inspecting yep. but that has sat with me so long and you just need to continue learning and yeah we did Unleash at Ballarat and there was something that they were talking about, just just uh, listen to somebody and don't say anything and just look at them and absorb what they're saying and be in that space. So I know it's not one thing. That was three things that yeah. like, have sat with me. So it's interesting, isn't it? What sticks with you? The mm, smallest simple stuff. The smallest thing from your dad or like, yeah. it's just, it's there. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Okay, well, I call them too. I wonder who that was. Was it Barrett Council? Oh, ages ago, ages ago. Well, now there's no building inspector. There wasn't a building inspector there when I was there. They changed the business model. Oh, I did too. They used, yeah. like, they outsourced with it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Hmm. Um, do you have any mentors or people you really look up to? Like, it could be yeah, yeah. some famous or any... any it's like hard whatever. to narrow it down. Um, like from a fire, rescue, CFA point of view, they've, like, three big ones for me. Um, and for different reasons and for different purposes. Um, so you have um, yeah, Bernie Fred, he's um, one of my managers and see him like a father. Uh, then have um, Brett as well. He's um, based here in Ballarat, uh, Brett Boatman. Uh, intelligent, super, super intelligent, driven. And yeah, he, he makes really good decisions and supports me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have um, Chris Eagle, he's um, now with Fire Rescue Victoria. And he, dri- driven, plans out his goals, um, all about workplace culture. Yep. And so I've learned a lot from him, bounce ideas off him. And then a very well-known man is um, Corey Woodjack. Uh, and I met him through another lady and he is the most caring, supporting man I think I have met. Uh, okay. he's, he's got such a good heart. Um, so he's, uh, I don't know, I think he's in Ballarat City Station now. Um, so he's um, yeah, a fiery there, such a good man. And then my best mate, um, it comes down to ethics, morals. Um, yeah, Brendan Hinchcliffe, he's a farmer who was working with and he makes decisions about quality and what's the right thing to do. Yep. And so yeah, those people around me is who I look up to and where I, yeah, I drive my morals and decision-making from. And I'll probably talk to a lot of them when I'm trying to make a decision too. Yep. Yep. I think your morals are very, very well set for like, it's country kids, do you reckon? Like country like farmers and that? No, I wouldn't segregate ourselves from the city guys. They're pretty good too. But yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Who uh, who do you want to see the podcast next? Um. So, um, guy from Aussie Action Abroad. Um, Graham Kent uh, he used to work for the city of Ballarat retired he's got this organisation that supports um, Nepalese communities here and there mm-hmm. he lives out of Bunningong um, he's retired and as a like when I retire or before, hopefully before I retire I want to see as much passion as I can as I, I have hopefully I am as passionate as I am as him yep. um, and he's just got a purpose and he wants to do something and it's yeah really really cool so him and then I don't know I really would try to find someone in the refugee community. Um, I don't know anyone in Ballarat that's a refugee. Uh, I know, yeah, Dylan was telling me about someone that he had seen talking to. That'd be really cool. Um, And then I think Ballarat probably needs to start bringing in more refugees and really uh, trying to find workers. Um, I've I've had three job offers since I've been back. Nothing to my skill set whatsoever, but people just need workers. It's a lot of it at the moment, especially hospitality. Yes. And I was advertising jobs in Gaza, 500 to 800 applicants for one job. Oh, my God. And there's a lot of complexities around that. I don't think we receive enough refugees in, or if we do, do we place them correctly and get them into the right skills? Yep. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know any refugees in Ballarat. It'd be pretty cool to tap into that Mm -hmm. and welcome them into the Ballarat community. Um, Mm -hmm. My my grandparents, like I told you about Slovenia and Croatia, they're... They weren't refugees. They came out here on their own accord. But then getting them reintegrated into the 60s would have been incredibly difficult. And so if we can do that in Ballarat and be, be more of a welcoming space, mm-hmm. we'll be 100% better for it. Yeah. 
yeah, anyone out there, hit me up if you're listening. Awesome, Jakey. Um, thanks so much for coming in, mate. I really appreciate it. I, I love, I love these sort of chats. Like I said, I'm pretty. I've always been pretty excited. Yeah. And this excites me because I'm gonna get something for Christmas now. Yeah, well, Dan Murphy's guaranteed would have that, mate. How much are they? Expensive? What? Uh, what we say? Maybe. What do you reckon? Two hundred shekels. Two hundred shekels, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else to say to the community out there, Jakey? No, uh, I think just um, be kind to each other. I think that's what the um, part of it stems from the problems that we have in Gaza and in Israel, um, yep. Palestine, and um, don't be decisive. Yeah, be a bit more educated in what's happening around the globe. Um, check out Al Jazeera. Um, I'm just flicking through their um, news articles today, and then checked out the ABC website, and they're completely different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, read broadly. What's it called Al Al Jazeera? Al Jazeera. Yeah, oh, I've never heard of that. There you go. I'll write that down because I am one of those people who's not educated in the world stuff. Thanks very much, Jackie. Appreciate Thanks, your time, Thanks for tuning in, team. Once again, would appreciate any reviews you've got down below. Have a great day. <laughs>